The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Is to redouble my efforts to understand a science that some people spend their whole lives studying, and that is yoga. So in that context, I discovered a quotation the other day that I thought was absolutely perfect for the Main Street Vegan Show. It comes from a yogi called Neem Karoli Baba. His claim to fame is that he was the guru of Ram Das, known for the super best-selling book, Be Here Now. And what his guru said is, just serve every creature in God's creation with humility, respect, and love. And I think that's what being vegan is all about. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan Program. It is a pleasure, as always, to have you with us today. And I'm so excited that I'm going to have a luxurious full hour with someone that I admire very much, somebody I like very much, and that is Fred Beasley II. You may know him by his uh, rapper name, which is Doc G. Fred Beasley is the head of NYC. Hip hop is green, and he is also a renaissance guy. He is a documentary filmmaker. He's working on his first children's book. He is a very involved dad, a sought-after speaker, and a very treasured faculty member at Main Street Vegan Academy. Welcome, Fred Beasley. Yes, thank, thank you for having me, Victoria. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, to all the, the Unity online radio family, it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to share with you. And I'm very excited about this opportunity um, to talk to you guys. So thank well, you. It, it's a blessing. Every, every time I talk to you is a blessing. I always walk away feeling not only happier, but like I'm just a little bit of a better person because of, of getting ideas from you and trying to put those into practice. So let, let's start 
with your hip hop is green identity, because that's really why you're running all over the country speaking everywhere. And so just start with a little bit of what is hip hop as a culture? And then where did the green come in? Okay. Um, so yeah, so a quick, a quick disclaimer. Um, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a rapper any longer in another lifetime I was. Um, so the name, the name Doc G, I'll get to that a little bit later, but hip hop, hip hop is green is an organization that is focused on delivering the reality of plant-based living and the opt and the benefits of plant-based living to inner city residents in a flavorful and digestible way. So Hip Hop is Green was founded by a gentleman named Keith Tucker almost over a decade ago. And Keith is, he's based in Seattle. I had the pleasure of meeting Keith um, three years ago when he came to New York and he honored a group I was with called the Bartenders. So the Bartenders is a group that does exercise, push-ups, pull-ups, and dips, hence the name Bartenders, pull-up bar. And, we, and the slogan was, um, drink from the pull-up bar so you don't go to the to the wrong bars. So don't <laughs> to the wrong bars. So Keith was giving us um, an award for being a part of Vanguard, a part of the Vanguard of getting people to exercise in the community in ways that they thought um, was unavailable to them. So that was my first time meeting Keith, and that was also the time when he signed the official tenth element of hip-hop, the declaration of the 10th element of hip-hop, which is health and wellness, into, it came into practice, came into being. So I was there, I met Keith, we started talking, and I asked him, you know, you have this company called Hip-Hop is Green, but you don't have a chapter in New York City. And he said, you know, unfortunately, I haven't been able to find anyone in New York City who was willing to do the work. And I said, well, I'm your guy. And that was over three years ago. And since then, we've had the opportunity to, to do some great things. Um, so what we do is we use hip hop or pop culture as a way to bridge the gap between communities that have been disenfranchised or don't understand or have, or have been left out of the conversation when it comes to plant-based or vegan lifestyle. So that's that's what hip hop is green is in a, in a nutshell, and it gives it it gives the opportunity for me to introduce youth who you know they live in areas and what is now termed as a a food apartheid area. They used to call it um, food deserts. Now that's been upgraded to food apartheid areas, where these are locations where many children and many families don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables for miles and miles. It's a very, it's a very disturbing situation. And so with Hip Hop is Green, we provide an opportunity to give them an experience that introduces them to a plant-based lifestyle that lets them know they have options and that they can, when they're creative and they're educated about what it means to be plant-based, they can find ways to take responsibility for their health and wellness. That's so exciting because I was there too. 
<laughs> and, well, I and I showed up because I was this old white lady. But it was it was one of the most memorable days of my life because I knew that up there at the Schomburg Center in Harlem, I was watching history being made. And I just see that unfolding as time goes by. And we have had Keith on the program. Uh, we'll put that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net so anybody can also uh, listen to him. So yeah. I, I want to hear all about the 10th element. But tell me first, Fred, what are some of the other elements? And I know certainly, you know, uh, rap, I, I would assume, is one and, and dancing and do people who are into hip hop, do fans of the music, are they aware of this 10th element? How widely known is hip hop as green? I asked okay. you a bunch of questions at once. I'm sorry. Those, those, those are some great questions. So there are several elements of hip hop. Um, first being, being the DJ or DJing, graffiti, the B-boy, which is the dance, rap, which is the, M, the MCing. Um, then we have street, street, street culture, street economics, street fashion, and it goes on and on to the 10th element being health and wellness. And that's part of what Hip Hop is Green is all about, is about bringing exposure to that 10th element. So many people do know the 10th element is, is health and wellness, but we still have work to do in order to make that, make that element as popular as it needs to be. Um, in a coincidence, now with um, the COVID-19 crisis and the whole the whole stay-at-home thing that we're going through with a pandemic, some people say the pandemic, but that's another conversation. The, the pandemic, health and wellness is now emerging in the communities across America as something that needs to be at the forefront. So it is a time when Hip Hop is Green is being recognized for the work that we've been doing um, for over a decade. So it's, you know, they, they say that, that um, necessity is the mother of invention. So the necessity of this pandemic has caused many people to look at Hip Hop is Green for some, some practical solutions to this interesting time that we're living in right, right now. So we're seeing that the communities of color are being hit harder than white communities with the coronavirus. Is, is that part of what you're talking about? Um, yes, ma'am. It's, it's ha what, what happens is uh, um, on, mo on multiple levels, before the coronavirus even, even took hold, communities, the communities of original people were already disproportionately suffering from diabetes, high, high blood pressure, poor, poor health care, and things of this nature. So what the coronavirus did was it just put a magnifying glass on conditions that already existed. So now we see, um, especially in New York City and, and other big, big city environments, that people of color are being, again, disproportionately affected by this crisis in ways that, that is just off the charts. I mean, dying at greater rates, suffering at greater rates, also because, you know, we are leading the charge when it comes to, unfortunately, things like diabetes, things like high blood pressure, things like um, heart attacks, things like being um, 
the, the largest meat consumers. So all the all these things create a perfect storm for the community to be ravaged by by this unfortunate situation that we're now facing. Um, so yeah. So. So when I think about fans of hip hop, I think of them as being young. Although hip hop's been around for a while, so I mean, I, I have some friends that are my age who are big fans. But generally speaking, it, it seems to me like a, a youth movement. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. But that brings me to the second part of that question, which is how do you sell health to the young? It's a great question. Um, well, yes, hip hop at its core is a youth movement, but that youth, that youthfulness is not determined by age. The youthfulness is determined by um, state of mind of the, of the individual, of the participant. So, it, no matter no matter what the age, you can still feel youthful as you continue to find ways to to discover yourself, to rediscover, to reinvent yourself, and things of that nature. Um, it's great. Hip hop gives us a great opportunity to introduce the young to health and wellness because because of the many of the topics in mainstream hip hop actually are contraindicating of being healthy and being and, and dealing with wellness. But that provides the optimal teaching moment. So for instance, I might come into a classroom or go into a community where I'm surrounded by young people who are, you know, anywhere between the ages of eight years old to to 85. And what I ask them are, are a couple of simple questions that might start with who, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite hip hop performer? They might say they might say Pop Smoke, or they might say Polo G, or they might say whoever whoever they say for that time. And I ask them, um, can you tell me a lyric from that from that individual? And they go into those lyrics. I'm able to take those lyrics and repurpose them, and ask them, do you think that that lyrical sound bed contributes to your health and wellness? When their hands start to go up and they start they start to ask questions, then I automatically ask them, do you have somebody in your family or somebody that you know who is suffering from diabetes or high blood pressure or even cancer? And automatically their hands go up. Then I'm able to bridge that that communication to, well, do you think that if we use our create our creativity that is so loved around the world? Could we sing songs or, or create songs that provide affirmations to our health or provide um, some type of upliftment to our health and wellness? And overwhelmingly, 95%, 90, I, I dare say 99% of the young people tell me we can use our creativity in a way that highlights our health and our wellness. So what I've learned is that and I said this before, I think, at one of our classes, that young people always say, you know, Doc, we don't care what you know until we know that you care. Oh. And once young people see that you care for them, then they, they start to open up like a flower to sunlight. And that becomes the, 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 perfect, the perfect teaching or educational experience because now 
it's not that it's not that you're talking to talking at them, you're talking with them. And that changes the that changes the dynamic. And it makes them more more open to the conversation. And in that conversation, again, I hear so many times, you know, Doc, I, I never thought of it that way. I haven't heard it like that before. So within the community of hip hop performers, do you have any sense of what percentage uh, know about hip hop is green? What percentage eat plant-based and, and who are some of the famous names that, that have yeah, gotten on say, board? Great question. I would say right now off the top of my head, I would say about 45, 45% of of hip hop is is pretty much aware of, of hip hop is green. Whoa. And, and that that's a pretty good a pretty good number because we have such such people on board as Stick Man from Dead Prez, Styles P um from from the locks, Black Thought um from the Roots, um Cyrock the M Cyrock the MC out of out of Atlanta, um HLC Sons um from Oakland. Um so it's an international movement. And what and what happens is um, people people are starting to is starting to make again more sense to people because of what we're going through and and the community is demanding that our creatives are taken to task for the messages that they're putting across in their art. At one time, at one time, Chuck D, the famous legendary hip-hop artist from a group called Public Enemy, he said so eloquently that hip-hop was the CNN of the hood. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just having kind of goosebumps as I think about what will happen. I'm not even going to say what would happen, but what will happen when hip-hop is green is, is the whole... Is known throughout that community, and huge numbers of people with cultural power and purchasing power are in on on plant based eating. What a, a great day that's going to be! That 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 is a great day, and it's coming. I, I forgot. I left out a very important name. His name is Supernova Slum. Aha. Uh -huh. And and Supernova Slum, his he's the son of, of Queen Afua, who is a legendary healer. Um from Brooklyn and he's because of his work with hip hop is green and his work in, in this health and wellness community. He's touched such people as, as Erica Badu, um, Jill Scott, um, Nas, and again, KRS one, um, who's also, um, an part of the extended family that Keith had direct contact with. So the seed, the seeds are planted, but like someone, some, someone told me a long time ago, they said that, Many times, the man, the man who plants the tree doesn't get a chance to enjoy the shade of the tree. Or he plants the tree in this generation for the next generation can enjoy the shade. So what we're doing now for Hip Hop is Green will have tremendous ramifications for hip -hop, the hip hop generation to come. Even currently right now, I'm working with a group of young up and coming hip hop artists from the West Coast, from Baltimore, from from um, from Houston, from from Tennessee, from Florida, and I'm introducing them to again 
many of the benefits of plant-based eating. So all it takes is one, one very popular um, young person to, to hit mainstream society and let people know that being healthy is cool. And one thing I do is I, I tie it in to their ability to have longevity in their careers. Mm. And at the end of the day, that's what most creators want to do. They want to have longevity in their careers. So I, sh I, I share with them that if you want longevity, it will behoove you to make sure that you treat your body as a temple. Well, this is really exciting stuff. I, I know Supernova Slum was at the inauguration in, in New York, the inauguration yeah. of hip hop with his incredible mother that I would yeah. absolutely love <laughs> to get on the show. I actually learned about her work long ago from Dick Gregory, who yeah. was telling people to go plant-based back in the 1970s. And uh, his wonderful uh, mentor, Dr. Alvinia Fulton. So it's it's interesting to me always to trace the roots of some of these things. And back then, there there were so few people who even knew that this was something that you could do that was that was safe, that was possible. And now those seeds that they planted are just <laughs> bearing a whole lot of fruit. Now here's now here's something interesting for you. So Dick Gregory's daughter. Ayana, Ayana is also a part of Hip Hop is Green. So, oh, cool. So Dick, Dick Gregory's work, and we, we say rise in power to the ancestor. His, his, energy, his energy still invigorates us, but his work is, is still a part of the foundation of what Hip Hop is Green is about. So very, wow. very, very, very powerful connection. Well, you just gave me more goose flesh. I guess I'm going to have to get used to that for, for this hour. But back in the day when, you know, he, he was there, I had two mentors, um, Jay Dinshaw from the American Vegan Society and Dick Gregory. And Dick Gregory was one of those people who was telling me, you've got to write a book, you've got to write a book. And my 1985 book, Compassion, the Ultimate Ethic, came from that. And I remember I was living in Kansas City at the time, and he was speaking at a college in St. Joseph, Missouri, that was north of, of Kansas City. So I went up there and, you know, found him backstage and handed him a copy of the book. And he said, I knew you would do it. <laughs> so I, I had lost, you know, over the years, my copy of, of his book, Dick Gregory's Natural Diet for Folks Who Eat, and had commented at a Main Street Vegan Academy class that when you go on Amazon and try to find that book that's out of print, people want over $200 for a copy. And um, that was when vegan Evan and his lovely mom, Shannon, were in the class. Yes. And I got this little package and opened it up. And somehow, from somebody on Etsy, <laughs> Shannon had found a copy of that book. So that's, that's awesome. my treasure. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> And big big shout out to vegan to vegan Evan and his mom. They're, they're doing they're doing great things. And he's and he's what I'm talking. He's one of those those young people who are, who I'm talking about, who I'm so excited about because he's right at the forefront of of proving the the dynamic that hip hop can have when young people use it and its transformative power um, for the good of humanity and the planet. 
So, so vegan Evan is also he's also a, a mean a mean MC or a mean rapper. When he, when he does this. So, yes. Yeah, he he is he's he is quite a soul, and and to me that's what I see with so many of the vegan kids. They're wonderful kids, but they are extraordinary souls. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Very important. So now you have four kids. Yes, ma'am, I do. And, and what are their ages? They go from sixteen to seven. So I have Elo King, Shakran, Rob Prince, and my daughter Namaste. So I have three boys and one daughter. Oh well, Namaste <laughs> to you as the father of this this lovely family. So. Um, How's it going uh, during the coronavirus or, and there being home, or do you always homeschool? Great question. We did homeschool for a while, and, and then we, we had them going to, to public school for, for a bit when the, when the virus hit. But um, I think that we are now leaning back towards really getting back into our homeschooling. But what, the, what this situation has done for us, it has, it has provided it has provided us with the necessary um the necessary what's the word i'm looking for it, it has given us cause to recharge re refocus and realign and understand how precious it is to to constantly educate our children at home um sometimes especially in new york city you can because everyone is so busy you know you're going here, you're going there, but this time has really given us the opportunity to really, really um, speak speak to them directly and and listen to them and and really, really just enjoy family time. And it and it is also stretching stretching our, our boundaries as parents as well. Yeah, it'll, it'll do that. <laughs> My, my daughter homeschooled as well. Now, I just had one, so I know that's a, a different dynamic. But I have such amazing memories. One of the best ones was we went to a lecture by His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and he put one of those those white scarf things over her head that Tibetans will give you as, as a blessing. And she hung that in her room. And when our wonderful cat, Benjamin, left this world, she took it off her wall and wrapped Benjamin in the Dalai Lama's scarf. <laughs> you you can't you can't buy a memory like that. Everybody, thanks so much for being with us for this wonderful conversation. Please stay with us through these messages and we'll be back with more Fred Beasley the second and hip hop is green. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, 
everybody, welcome back. I have a few announcements before we continue this wonderful conversation with Fred Beasley II, one of my favorite people on earth. So the blog this week at MainStreetVegan.net is Personal Musings from a Grateful Vegan and Why I Give Five Stars to Main Street Vegan Academy. And that's from one of our graduates, Sue Sullivan, wonderful uh, graduate within the past year. She's a therapist who came to the academy and got more than she bargained for. So thanks so much to Sue for this uh, wonderful uh, blog post. I have a great big announcement about Main Street Vegan Academy. If you've listened uh, to this podcast before, you know that one of the things that I do is run this program, which has always been in person in New York City, uh, an intensive six days. And at the end, you are certified as a vegan lifestyle coach and educator. And our 470 some graduates from 29 countries are out in the world doing amazing things right now. Um, they're doing a, a an offering so that anybody anywhere who has questions about going vegan or even just eating less meat, maybe to be in solidarity with the, the meatpacking workers or for whatever reason people want to eat less meat or look at veganism right now, they can just go to MainStreetVegan.net, click on Meatless May, and we're actually going to be taking that through June. Um, and you can get, or your friend can get, or your relative uh, can get a um, question answered personally. Um, on email or or phone with some personal coaching, absolutely free. So we do some really amazing things, and they've also started some very impressive businesses out in the world. And we've, as I said, always done this live and in person. Well, we have this coronavirus situation, and so like so many other people and so many other businesses, we're having to be flexible. Good thing I'm looking at yoga, right? So for the first time since our founding in 2012, we are going to be on Zoom. So if you go to MainStreetVegan.net, click on Academy, you'll read that we have now two offerings. Uh, we'll still be in person in 2021, so you can see what's going to be happening there. That's called now MSV Elite, but we're also going to have MSV Zoom, which will be eight weekend days of the same amazing instructors, uh, medical doctors, fashion designers, and chef, incredible people, and you will get the same certification, VLCE, Vegan Lifestyle Coach and Educator, from the Zoom class as you would from the in-person class. And you uh, save quite a bit on tuition, and you don't have to fly to New York and find a place to stay. So you now have two options, and one is soon, and that's MSV Zoom. So I do hope you'll take a look at that. And um, thank you all so much for checking it out or telling your friends about it. And now let us get back to the conversation at hand. So uh, we talked during uh, the break, Fred, that you were going to share a little bit. We know, obviously, that one of these pillars of hip-hop is green is the plant-based diet. But there are others as well. What are those? Yes, so we have we have six pillars. Thank you for asking that question. And these pillars are the foundation of our of our programming. So it's plant-based eating, organic gardening, fitness, sobriety, animal rights, and food justice. Um, so those those are our six pillars. Many people 
many people always ask, you know, how how does how does sobriety tie into to hip hop is green? How does sobriety tie into plant based eating? How does sobriety tie into creativity? Um, for me, there's a tremendous myth that has been circulating through the creative community for years, and and that myth stands on the misinformation that in order to be a successful creative, that you have to be intoxicated in some form of fashion, or you have to be under the influence. Um, and for me, that's that's a big a big pillar that I love to really hang my hat on especially when I'm dealing with young people, especially when I'm getting, getting youth to understand the ability to really take them to the greatness that lies within them is not, is not contingent on them being intoxicated or them being inebriated or them being under the influence. And part of my personal goal is to get young people that I, that I contact and come and come in touch with to become intoxicated with love, to become intoxicated with life, to become on a natural high that it doesn't it doesn't have the downsides of some of these other things that that are, that seem so pervasive in these days and times. But it's interesting because as you as you look all creatives have had, have had to face the myth of, of intoxication. And I, I go back to even some of my favorite, some of my favorite bebop artists, which bebop to me is one of the forefathers of hip hop. Um, I think of John Coltrane. I think of the Ernest Monk. I think of, you know, I think of Charlie Parker. I think of all these, all these greats. And when I think Miles Davis, and when I think and I, when I read their I read their autobiographies, they all talked about how when they when they ascended from what they thought a creative person should be doing, whether and that and that is indulging in some of those so-called trappings of success, that their careers took off to a, to an entire entirely another level. And we're starting to see that same thing. With um, with some of our hip hop artists as well. That is so inspiring, and you know, it's not just performing artists. As a writer, this is something that I've known about all my life, and I never had a problem with alcohol or drugs, but I had a huge problem with food addiction. And I remember watching a movie about the playwright Lillian Hellman, and in this one scene. She was drinking booze from the bottle, chain smoking, eating a hero sandwich, and somehow also typing. And I remember thinking when I saw that as a teenager, well, see, that's just another indication that you've got to be addicted to something if you're going to be creative. So wrong, so wrong, so wrong. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting because that's that's an image that that's kind of put out to us, you know, on multiple levels, you know, you, you see, you see the creative, and you see them with their with 
their um, intoxicant of choice. And it seems like, you know, especially for young people, it seems like, you know, that that's part of their, that's part of their superpower that makes them creative. Well, what you'll find when you actually start to do the research is you'll find that most of those creative people before they got to, to that particular state, they put in hours and hours of, of practice at their particular craft. And many times that, that practice was not, was not based on being under the influence of drugs, alcohol, or being addicted, addicted to food. They, they, had, they had some type of, they might have had, had an addiction to, for wanting to be great. They might have had an addiction for wanting to, wanting to provide some type of change to their environment and to, and to themselves. But it didn't, it didn't hinge on, on an intoxicant. And I think that's very, very important. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Now you mentioned also one of the other pillars is fitness and and you got into this a little bit in the first half, but I didn't get a chance to ask you about it. You, you did a film about that. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the film I produced is called the world, the world is our gym. And I was a producer for that film. It won, it won a Red Bull award and it's current, it's currently on, on Red Bull. You can find it there on the Red Bull channel. And that film was, was about, it was about looking at this exercise phenomenon that started in, in Harlem. Um, I like to say the calisthenics, the calisthenics, if you think about calisthenics in a way of um, almost, again, like, like a bebop artist, somebody taking, taking a push-up or taking a pull-up and doing it in a way that's rhythmic, in a way that's, that's creative, and in a way that's dynamic. And, and this movement swept the world. So the film gave me an opportunity to, to travel the world and document all the different communities and countries who have been impacted by the work that we started in, in Harlem. And so that, that film, The World is Our Gym, is, is a tribute to that movement and to the founders of that movement. Oh, well, I, I'm going to watch that. That's on, on the list for this weekend. And, you know, it's funny. We talked about homeschooling earlier when my daughter was young. <laughs> we caught, we said the world is our school. <laughs> so I guess uh -huh. it works however you want to do it. So yeah. in, in, in our last, we've got like 15 minutes left. So, Fred, I just want uh, the listeners to get to know you because you really are. You're, you're such a person, there's just so many layers to you, and I'd like for people to know as many of them as possible. So just tell us a little bit about your background and your philosophy of life, and then we are going to get into your, your upcoming book. Wow, that's, um, okay, so I, I initially was, was raised or born in a place called Nashville, Tennessee, Um the son, the son of the son of a, a preacher, the grandson of a preacher, the great grandson of a preacher. Um, I had the, I had the interesting opportunity, and I say opportunity, I use that word sparingly because I, I, my mother passed away when I was six years old. Oh, and sorry. What that did was it gave me an opportunity to kind of pierce, pierce the veil, if you will, because I had to, I had to find ways to 
to reconcile in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart, this this um, this displacement of this of such a powerful figure at a young age. And what that did for me was it it caused me to to go, go on a journey of of, of truth, or to go on a journey of, and to, to become to become that's to become curious about life and how we can and how can we extend life and how can we get the best out of life because it it, see, it seems so fleeting and it seems it seems so I guess at six years old it, it seems so unfair that that would happen. Um, so that's been one of the main impetuses in or one of the main catapults for me to just to just become a student, a student and a servant. Um, and that's part of what, what keeps me excited about, about living now, keeps me excited about, about being a father now, um, keeps me excited about creativity now. At 17 years old, I, I, I came to New York because I had an aunt, a group of aunts who were here, um, Aunt Francis, I always have to give a shout out to Aunt Callie, even though they've transitioned, that they're still with me. And, you know, they were my grandmother's old older sisters. And they provided me with, with some blueprints to being successful in life. Um, and that that's that's pretty much it. At, you know, at, at 17, again, just, just being being a creative. Wanted to explore life to the fullest. It, that got me into, you know, I, at one time I did have a, a record contract on, on Columbia Records doing, you know, doing hip hop. Um, I transitioned from that because for me at the time, some something my grandmother used to always say, she said, don't, don't make yourself small to try to fit in to someone else's idea of you. And as I continue to grow, I realized that some of the some of the constructs that mainstream media had for what it is to be a hip hop artist, um, it was a little bit constricting for me. So it caused me to to continue to search and continue to find ways to be to be creative and and to be of service. So that's 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 part of what what I'm all about. Uh, finding creative ways to be of service, finding creative ways to be a bridge, finding creative ways to be inspired by life, and then finding creative ways to express that creativity. Because I believe as children of the, of the Most High Creator, it is our birthright to be creative. Amen. <laughs> That's beautiful. So speaking of creating, you are working on a kid's book. What's that all about? This children's book that I'm working on is one of a series. And it is, I feel like this is this is a summation of my life's work to this point. And it's all about showing, showing people in a, again in a creative way that you can be you can be plant-based, but you can still you can still be fly, you can still be cool. And how, and how that leads you to being your best self. So the book, you know, the first book in the series highlights that, you know, uh, I've been teaching myself 
how to draw via iPad. Just because my wife was was gracious enough to give me an iPad for my birthday a few years ago, because I I have these characters in mind, I've been trying my best to to put what I see in my mind on the paper. Um, and the and the book just it just documents that the first the first book in the series just really documents that, and, it, and it's just about this this um, I don't want to give too much away, but it's a, it's about this this dragon who has a trans formative experience and who decides that he wants to use his his power to be a warrior of peace and how that transform that transformative that transformative or that shift in his thinking gives him the opportunity to open up um, a plant-based cafe for lack of a better word oh how sweet oh I love it already that sounds like that is a book for children of all ages. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, I've been, you know, I, my, my goal is to make it, hopefully, uh, humbly, I say, I, I want it to be one of the greats, something like something, if you can, if you can see um, where the wild things are, or, you know, um, just all, all those great children's books that, that really just cap captured a moment and just, and again, spoke to the young person inside the adult as well as the young person or spoke to the the matureness inside of the young people uh -huh. that's that's what great art does it bridges that gap wow so that's, that's part of what i'm doing and you just i think answered one of the great philosophical questions of all time why is it that children and grandparents or those of the grandparent age group have such a connection. And I think you said it, it's the maturity in the children and, and the childlikeness in the aged. That's cool. Yes. <laughs> very, very important. That's, you know, I, I want the book to be, to be, a um, to be a talking point, to be, to be, to be a flashpoint that bring that brings families together and makes them, and makes them kind of, kind of question, or repurpose, why why we do certain things. If this if this mighty dragon, can, can take a step back from all of his all of his greatness and all of his accolades and being and being this this great warrior, and then think, what what is it really all all about? And then re reimagine and reinvent himself, as as a chef. I think you can really give people an opportunity to really um, look inside themselves and start to hopefully live, live, live their best lives. And that's, again, that's what I want to do. I, I want to be, be a tool of, of inspiration and, and, be, and be a person of service. It's so interesting as you say this, I'm brought back to the quotation that I opened the show with, just serve every creature in God's creation with humility, respect, and love. So you can be a dragon chef in your plant-based cafe, or <laughs> you can be doing whatever uh, life puts before you to do in a way of, of love and service. So now you, you told us that uh, you lost your mother at a very young age. Um, is, is your father still with us? Yes, he's still or, with us. I spoke, great. To, I spoke to him yesterday, actually. Good. He, he's good. Doing so good. And so what does he think of you? 
and and what uh, you're doing with your life. You know, I have, I have, I've never really asked asked him that. Um, but I feel like I feel like right now that that we're that we're in a, a great space. I feel like you know, just it's me being a father. That there, there's a very interesting dynamic of, of father and son when when the son has to find find his own footing so to speak or find his own path but it's in finding that own path his own path that the son realizes that the father had a similar journey and it's in realizing that it's that it's, it brings father and son closer and I think that all all fathers all great fathers understand that they too at one time had to find their path so it's almost, you know, I, I read one of my favorite quotes from Bruce Lee. I, I think he said this was, he said that a great, a great teacher or educator doesn't doesn't tell someone what what to look at or what to do, but they kind of point point in the direction of the star and inspire the student to to seek the light. Mm, um, that's lovely. And my father's been great in doing that with me. Oh, that's wonderful. When you talked about your, your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather all being clergy, I feel like, you know, you might not be a reverend, but you have a ministry, no doubt about it. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, I think it's, I think they definitely have given me a lot of, um, they, they provided me with, with a blueprint for manhood and what it means to be, um, to 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 be to be a leader of yourself and then to be someone who stands as as a representative for the community so i definitely um i definitely owe that owe that to them oh that's lovely so you are one of your other many titles global youth culture architect explain yes. that to me so the global youth culture architect the reason how or how i came up with that with that moniker is because I've had the opportunity to travel the world and to impact youth with what it means to be stewards of the culture or impact youth on their and give them the reality of the worth or the value or the pricelessness of their cultural currency. So a global youth culture architect is someone who builds that cultural currency in the hearts and minds and spirits of young people around the globe and then creates bridges to those communities from, from New York to Nigeria, from Ecuadorial Guinea to, to Georgia, from, from, from Brownsville to Britain, from, from London to from London to, to, to Linwood, from, from Tennessee, from Nashville, Tennessee to, to Naples. You know, it's, it's, it's connecting those dots and letting people know that we have more in common than we have that separates us. 
Well, that is that is so cool. And you do have a gift of speaking to young people, but you have a gift of speaking to all people. And I, I did say earlier that you are uh, on the faculty at Main Street Vegan Academy and you will be on the faculty of the new Zoom class uh, coming yeah, up this, this summer as well. So when you're presenting for our vegan lifestyle coaches and educators you know a lot of our classes are very practical you know this is how you uh, do a coaching sessions and and this is the history of the vegan movement but yours is philosophical yours is inspirational and people tell me that it's just one of their favorites so share with our listeners here in our last minute and a half <laughs> what what you share what I, what I try to share with them um, in, a, in a nutshell is the ability for, for our, our, our coaches or our educators to find the light that is inside, that is within them, and to not put a shade on that light. Because it's in finding that, 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 inter- that internal light that shines externally that that makes you so, so important and so unique and what, what I what I strive to to give them is the confidence to be to be strong enough and to be and to be unapologetic in being their best selves against all odds wow I love that and your dad would probably say don't put it under a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fred Beasley II, Hip Hop is Green NYC. We will put all of, of Fred's URLs and ways that you can find him and you can find Hip Hop is Green in New York and in your area at uh, the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Thanks so much um, to you, Fred. Thanks to Unity Online Radio. Thanks to the listeners. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.